This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 70 of the Wisdom by Wisa show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Mike Dunnell. I am Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And this is Sophia Gena. Welcome to Wisdom by Wessa on the Horse Radio Network. This podcast is brought to you by the Western and English Sales Association, WISA, which provides the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives of the equestrian industry. In this podcast, we feature exclusive interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors who you've always wanted to talk to. Don't miss out on all the news for manufacturers and retailers in the equine industry. Today, we are finishing the mini-series featuring past WESA or WESA presidents, and a lot of the presidents have mentioned Tony High, the former executive director. That's right. And actually, while Kristen and Amy have gone through all of the WESA materials to gather more information about WESA's timeline for us, we also found a great editorial piece that Tony had worked on together with the team at um, Tack and Talks for the 75th anniversary. What are some of the highlights? Well, when Wesley celebrated the 75th anniversary in 1997, the focus was on both tradition and growth. And both of these elements are, of course, still important to the association today. But it's also mentioned that the West Hat Trade Show had become one of the nation's premier equestrian and Western events through the 60s and 70s and the largest show of its kind. And in his interview, Bug Anderson recalled having some great performers at the West Hat Trade Show. And this editorial piece picked up on that as well as buyers and exhibitors were entertained by Garth Brooks in 1991, Clay Walker in 1993, and Tracy Lawrence in 1995, for example. So that's pretty special. Big headliners, for sure. Were there any predictions made back then that were fulfilled or not fulfilled in the 25 years following that article? Yes, so Tony forecasted some significant changes and actually a venue expansion which we did go through by rebranding and also finding a new home. And then some other examples that Tony mentioned were a rise in international attendance with a focus on global marketing strategies. And that also became a reality because um, WESA actually does advertise the trade show all over the world. And we do welcome a diverse group of buyers and exhibitors. And then technology was predicted to make a big impact as well. She forecasted computer chip catalogs for our 100th anniversary and some virtual rodeos and exhibit spaces. And of course, the directory is available online and so are the exhibitors' product catalogs. But I think more interestingly, we did have some virtual rodeos recently, not really at the trade show, but of course, due to the pandemic, lots of things were hosted virtually throughout the past year. Um, so yeah, that's some interesting predictions and we are excited to see what the next years have in store for all of us, hopefully another hundred years and for generations to come. Scott Piper's first job after graduating from the university of Arizona was playing wide receiver in the NFL first for the Atlanta Falcons and then the Denver Broncos after retiring due to injury. Piper started a consulting business with a Western boot company as one of his clients. He later joined that company and started a new career in the Western industry, including a term as president of WISA. And we're so happy to have Scott join us today. 
Our listeners who are also interested in dressage should be sure to catch the weekly episodes of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, which is the official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation. The show is hosted by two accomplished Grand Prix riders, Reese Koffler, Stanfield, United States Dressage Federation bronze, silver, and gold medalist, and Philip Parks, who began riding at an early age and currently works with experienced and beginning dressage riders in Canada as a trainer and a coach. Scott Piper, thanks so much for joining us on the Wisdom by Wisa show. Mike, my pleasure. I tell you, it's it's very interesting to see the routes that people take to join the Western industry and matriculate on to the WISA board uh, and as president of the organization. Uh, last week we had, or the last show we had Mark Broughton on. He grew up as a teenage body surfer in L.A., then he went to uh, Utah to become a ski instructor. Then he went to the Northwest to become a construction worker, started a, a saddle-making class, and the rest was WISA history. In your case, you grew up in Lakewood playing sports, uh, had an outstanding high school career. Uh, University of Arizona uh, uh, recruited you, and you played there and came out uh, to play in the NFL. I would guess that while you were going through high school and college, uh, a career in the Western world and as president of WISA was not on your horizon. You know what, Mike? There wasn't a whole lot of things on my horizon at that time. I just was kind of focused on on being. I was kind of focused on being a teenager and. <laughs> and, um, you know, and football, of course, sports was big in my life and, and football and baseball. And I was just trying to, to get on to, you know, 17, get to be 18, 18, get to be 19. I, you know, so the life just took, uh, you know, the turns it took and I was very fortunate and I got a, a, a nice offer to go to the university of Arizona and then out of university of Arizona, I got approached by the Buffalo bills, got drafted. So I was very fortunate in that, in that regard, but. To answer your question, no, I, I I didn't have a particular focus of being in the Western industry at that time. However, I think you mentioned to me you did have a like a love of the horses. Always loved horses. Uh, of course, I grew up in an era as did Mark Broughton and, and maybe a couple other people you might have talked to. But back when the Western was uh, the Western TV programs were just big. Uh, things like Lone Ranger and uh, Gunsmoke and things of that nature were just, that's what we watched every week, Bonanza. But that lifestyle was just ingrained in us when we were young kids. Um, I grew up in suburban Denver and I'd walk to school and I'd always make a little by, by way, a little path to go by the only pasture I knew of. So I'd go and, and feed a horse and just handing some some grass or hay or something on the way to school. And always wanted to be, you know, that, that, that was just what I wanted to be. Uh, but my parents certainly, we didn't have horses growing up. So I, I, I made a, an effort to go and see them when I was, when I was young. And I remember the first time I bought my first, I begged my parents for my first pair of cowboy boots when I was about 12 years old, 13 years old, it was a pair of Acme rough out boots. I just begged them for them. I think they cost a total of like 35, $40 way back then, but but it was just it was just one of those lifestyles that were just ingrained in us and and it was just uh kind of americana so yeah 
That's what well, I think, I Casey, young. you had some of the same experiences growing up, right? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, just specifically speaking of boots, my first pair of boots were a pair of red cowboy boots, and I used to kiss them and hug them and take them to bed with me. <laughs> and that was before I think I even knew that uh, that Western industry would be uh, such a huge part of my life. But Great buildup and introduction from Mike. For you, Scott, it's a pleasure to have you here and, and talk with you today. Um, I'm specifically interested in knowing, back at the time when you served as president, if you recall uh-huh. some of the biggest challenges, maybe at that time. Uh, well, back when I was president, we said, you know, we obviously the biggest challenge we all have is to put on the best market, you know, the industry market that we possibly can to represent our industry as well as we can. And so that's kind of our focus. But for me, um, my, my biggest challenge, I think initially was we got my first January as president, we had a, had a little issue at the, at the Denver market where we at that time had our markets and our shows, we had a fire. And when I came, um, came in in the morning, I got called early morning by, by our staff that that I better get down there and we and uh, the fire department had been there and, and what have you it did not cause the show to 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 not go on but what it did is brought to my attention I brought it to the board of directors attention is that we did we have a plan what kind of plan did we have if something happened to our facility you know how could we uh, the challenge was where would we go and how would we approach that if 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 part or any of that building were to be destroyed or damaged in some way. So that was kind of the challenge I, I put on the, the board of directors at that time. So that was, that was my biggest challenge. I was more concerned about what would happen if, if something happened to our facility where we, where we sure. produce our show. Sure. And I mean, I can't help but to mention uh, playing in the NFL, Obviously, it would take uh, more than just athleticism, um, but to be a professional athlete at that level, uh, great strength, motivation, stick-to-itiveness, um, and so many, so many other qualities, obviously. But I would just love to know if there was any crossover in, in maybe things you learned and who you were um, and the, that gave you the ability to c- play in the NFL that crossed over to be an effective leader for WESA. Hmm. Uh, geez, I, you know, that's might be a little bit of a stretch there, but I, I, <laughs> I think, I, I think just the focus, you know, I mean, to, to do anything well and to, and to be good at anything, I think you need a degree of stick to if you will, and focus, uh, a desire to do it the best of your ability. And, and I would say that'd be true for most everybody I work with on the board of directors at, at WESA as well that everybody wanted to see our industry be the best it could be, wanted to see it prosper, wanted to see it thrive. And I think the people on that board, uh, I think myself included, but um, just all had this desire uh, for the best. And sure. uh, I think that would be true in football as well. You know, you get to a certain level, you just say, I, you know, I just want to be a little bit better and I want to do this the best that I can. So, 
I'd like to to backtrack just a little bit, if we could. Now you're in the NFL. I think you mentioned you uh, your career ended basically because of injuries. You started a consulting business, and as I recall our conversation, your business introduction to the Western world came because you had a bootmaker as a client, and from there you transitioned into the industry. Maybe you could follow us uh, or take us along that track a little bit. Yeah, I uh, I had got, I came out of football and I went into the oil industry. The oil industry was uh, pretty prominent in the Denver in the Denver market at that time in the mid, early mid eighties. Uh, but if you all remember back then, I don't know everybody's age, but if you all remember, um, the oil industry kind of crashed in the mid eighties, and and well, unfortunately, so did my job. So I went to work with a a friend of mine who had a sales consulting company. We kind of became partners in it. Um, and our first client, the first client that he brought to me was Tony Lama, Tony Lama Boot Company. And um, Tony Lama, at the time, had suffered a great deal of business loss in the Rocky Mountains. And I think as a result, or I know as a result of the oil industry crash, uh, a lot of oil people, a lot of, you know, they live a Western type of a lifestyle. And uh, so when they vacated the Denver market in the Denver area, well, business and, and the Western business certainly suffered a little bit as well as a lot of other businesses. Uh, so Tony Lama as a company made a decision, which probably wasn't the best decision, but they decided they'd open up their own retail stores in the Denver market. That was kind of a first at the time for manufacturers. And um, they opened up four retail stores in the Denver market. Well, what that created was a um, real bad um just relationship between Tony Lama and its existing um, retailers. And so they hired me to come up here and figure out a way to regain the market share that they were losing because all the other retailers were starting to drop them as a result of Tony Lama competing against them. So I came up, I made my suggestions to Tony Lama, um, to the company, um, Within a short, about six months of me working there, they sold to Justin Industries. Uh, Justin Brands bought Tony Lama. Um, I got a call from the president of Justin. And he said, Scott, do you think that we need to move these? Uh, what do you think we need to do with these retail stores? And I, I suggested to them that they close them. And he says, well, <laughs> you head out tomorrow morning and close them. So that was my that was my entry into the Western business. I went into their the stores. I closed the stores. Uh, when I got done closing the stores, I called back uh, the Justin, the president at the time of Justin, Frank Scabetti, and then he offered me a job. He said, well, you've done so much for us this uh, to this point. Would you like to, to have a permanent job with us? And, and I knew the history of Tony Lama. Again, I loved just the whole Western lifestyle, so I jumped on that opportunity, and that was 1989. So it's been quite a ride. I would guess that your first introduction to the to the industry, uh, closing retail stores, had must have been a tough thing to do. Oh, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. But um, you know, I, I, for the survival, quite frankly, and I, and I guess when you say survival, the, the Lama family still had to sell the or did sell the company. I don't know if they had to or not, but they they sold the company eventually anyway. Um, but it was the damage that those retail stores had done to the relationship they had with all their existing retailers at that point was pretty significant. So, um, yeah, it was tough. It was, it was difficult to go in and tell people you were letting them go. 
Um, but at the same time, it, it was, I think it was a step forward for Tony Lama, that brand and that label. It, we were able to go back out and recreate relationships. We did have to repair some burnt bridges. Um, you know, and that's, that was kind of left up to me as well. Cause I took, I took the job, but I was to a degree, a little bit of a hero in town because I got those stores closed and, uh, and we just, uh, we reestablished relationships and the Tony Lama company and they still are thriving today. They did very well and they came back very strong and are thriving today, but it was difficult. I, you know, I would admit that. So take us through your career, uh, uh, the high spots between then and now. Uh, well, with Tony Lama, I, you know, I, I started out that way about five years in with Tony Lama, um, with a customer of mine, I, I designed a couple boots. We came up with a couple, uh, styles that, uh, for his particular store out in Kansas and, uh, they were very successful. So Tony Lama asked me to join their design team at that time. And, uh, came in with about four of us who were on the design team and, and, uh, the TLX product, uh, the Tony Lama Extreme product, which is their first rubber outsole, uh, I kind of initiated that. So that was kind of a high point there. That's still a very strong product for the Tony Lama Boot Company. Um, back in 2005, um, a gentleman named Bob Frazier had been past president of Justin Brands and David Baker, who was a past president of Tony Lama. Uh, they kind of joined together and wanted to start the Twisted X Boot Company. And so they called me and asked me if I would join them in that endeavor to launch that. So that was also a highlight. That was to start a, a company from scratch and uh, establish it. And, and uh, of course, Twisted X has uh, grew in leaps and bounds in the last 10 years. And um, those are probably the biggest highlights. But but the opportunity to get to design and actually see some of your product on the feet of people walking around. You know, uh, I've been in, I've been in <laughs> Delaware, I've been in Delaware and, and, uh, been, it was in a store in Delaware one time and, and my wife and I had looked down and a gentleman was wearing a pair of boots that I had designed. So that's kind of fun. That's, that's the fun part of the business too. So. Well, and clearly and that all, background helped when you joined the board of WISA and as you became right. president, having been through those various phases from closing retail stores to designing uh, Western products to watching mergers take place. It would seem to me right. that that kind of background uh, uh, was a, a big help in terms of giving you perspective. But how did you get in on the WISA board? How did all that happen? Well... Tony High, who is who is um, in charge of the office and, and kind of ran our offices, and and uh, she had asked me. She said, "Scott, we could use you on the board of directors." And I said, "Well, Tony, right at that point, at point in time, this is back in the early '90s, I guess, mid '90s." Uh, and I told her at the time, I, I frankly, I was just more interested in in focusing on my career. But she had, she had asked me, and so I ran for the board of directors, and I didn't get on. Um, I didn't get voted in. And so that was kind of a little bit of a knock. And uh, the following year, she asked me to run again. And I told her I couldn't. I'm not sure if I could <laughs> take any more of this, this you know, <laughs> abuse. But uh, I ran again. And once again, I didn't get voted in. But I was the highest vote getter after the, after the last person. And then we had a gentleman who retired or had to step down. And, and they called me up and said, Scott, you're on the board of directors. So I came on and I really did come on with the intention of, you know, everybody needs to put in some time and help. If we're going to make this thing work, everybody has to, to, to have something in it. And I've just felt an obligation. That I need to get on the board of directors for the 
minimum two, maybe four years. And I came on and 18 years later, I was the president. (laughs) So it lasted a little longer than I had anticipated. But I think just like anybody else, when I got on the board, it was, I mean, my eyes were opened exactly what, what WESA did, what WESA uh, and the board of directors and the organization did for the industry and really did for our careers. You know, the strength that brought um, the purpose we had and just building the, the best trade show and promoting our industry the best we could. And uh, my eyes were open and I just felt like, you know, this was a, this was something that was necessary to do. And so I just stayed with it. And, and again, like you said, I just, I, I worked my way through the, the, uh, the seats and became president of Lisa. And that was a, that was a joy. And I, and uh, I appreciated everybody I worked with and respect everybody I worked with. Well, Casey came up in the rodeo world where determination really helps define, and her husband as well, really helps define right. whether you succeed or you don't. Casey, you might comment on that from the uh, uh, from your perspective and the importance in the whole Western world of being determined to make progress. I think... Uh, determined would be a good word, maybe not just to describe me or my husband or or Scott, but I think anybody in this industry, um, it, it seems as if the Western industry sometimes tends to be a little bit behind, say, mainstream fashion or kind of anything in the world, to be honest with you. And I think um, a lot of us that have stayed hooked for so many years and have such a deep love for the industry have been determined to see it succeed. And we have a passion to help it um, grow. And I think once you're in the industry, and and you, Mike, as well, coming from outside of the industry and now in, um, you've been dedicated for so many years, um, each in our own way, to continuing to grow the industry. Mm-hmm. I agree, Casey. And I'll tell you, I, I, I think the Western industry, in my opinion, and I've shared this a numerous, a numerous times with other people, I really believe it's the last bastion of really true Americana. I mean, when you go to, when you go to Europe or you go to uh, Asia or anywhere like that, if somebody wants to look like an American, they're wearing a pair of boots, a pair <laughs> of jeans, and sometimes even a cowboy sure. hat, you know? Sure. And, and so when people think of America and they think of us, a lot of times it's the American cowboy and, and just what, you know, what that brings, I mean, the strength that brings the image it brings, I think is incomparable. And, and, uh, I want to see that exist. I want to see it thrive. And I, I mean, obviously I may be a little bit biased, um, but I think rightfully so I think the people that accumulatively make up our industry, and I'm talking about rodeo, I'm talking about, um, say, the fashion end of it, um, mm-hmm. all aspects of our industry. I just really believe we're very true to our roots, our values, our mm-hmm. morals, and accumulatively as a group of people, <laughs> I, I couldn't ask right. to be part of a better uh, group of people in, in, in our world, to be honest. Right. You know, the fashion industry changes so frequently and it even does a little bit in the Western business, but it's still pretty stable. It's, it's got a true foundation in it. And, and, uh, I mean, Twisted X kind of led the way in this latest craze and we call them the casual footwear market, but 
But still, the the basic sense and the basic tradition of the American cowboy has still always been true in in Western fashion, where where the other fashion areas, you know, they go so far off the wall, <laughs> so you know, just just go crazy, yeah. sure. and we have a tendency to go that way sometimes. Western always really does stay true, essentially to its roots. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a good turquoise necklace will never go out of style. Yeah. Ever. Absolutely ever. not. <laughs> Absolutely um, not. Yeah. Or or a or a basic black cowboy boot. Yeah. You know, yeah. a nice dress cowboy, but just it'll always yes. be that way. That's right. Um, some of the the most successful businessmen in the in the world that um, have nothing to do with the Western industry will have a nice pair of cowboy boots. And I think that's pretty a- cool. And absolutely. It says a lot. Yeah. But you yeah, you kind of mentioned. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go good. No, you go ahead, Case. You kind of mentioned this. Uh, you hit on this just a little bit in this last conversation we just had. But um, what do you wish for or see in Wisa's future? You know, I, I see it just remaining. I, you know, everything changes, and and I think I think as an organization, it was very difficult in this last couple of years where we were moving what had been our home for a number of years out of Denver and, and moving our show to Dallas. And there's a number of reasons for that. And there's a number, and we don't need to get into all that, but, but change is inevitable. And I think as long as you adapt uh, to those changes, but you stay focused on what uh, you, you came to the dance with and what you came to the dance for. And, and Wiese has always been behind the survival and, and of the Western industry. And that, and I believe that, you know, all those changes are are going to be good. I, I think we say is just going to grow stronger. I think our industry is going to grow stronger. I think we're kind of in a funky kind of a place right now as a nation. But I think, again, I think the American cowboy is always consistent. And I think it, what goes around comes around. And I think the that the Western lifestyle is only going to get more popular uh, in the years to come. Well, I think that is a great place to let you go on about the rest of your day and your business. What's well, been great getting your perspective uh, on how the industry can go and where it can go. But also, uh, I've always enjoyed in talking with the uh, past presidents, their personal histories is how they got to, uh, how they got in the business, how they got to WISA, uh, their leadership challenges. Um, and I think those all reflect what you and Casey have been talking about in terms of the uh, the strength and the dominance of uh, the Western ethics and Western lifestyle. And I want to thank you very mm-hmm. much for taking the time to be on our show. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate the time, and uh, certainly was a pleasure talking to you. Show notes and links from today's show can be found at the website wisdombyawisa.com. And, of course, we'd love to hear your feedback. There is a contact link on the website. The Wisdom by Wisa show will be published on the 15th and 30th of every month. You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players, and you can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone. You just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and super easy to use. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom by Wisa podcast. Wisa, where the industry meets.